Welcome to the Mortise and Tenon Magazine podcast, where we're celebrating historic furniture making. This is episode number 19. I'm Mike. And I'm Joshua. And uh, here we are. It's a weird time in the world right now. Yeah, um, six feet apart. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and eyeing each other suspiciously, right? <laughs> Uh, we hope you all are, are doing well and uh, staying safe, not worrying too much. Um, and uh, hopefully, we've heard from a lot of readers who are um, actually kind of taking this time to uh, spend and focus their time and energies creatively yeah. in their shop, uh, spending more time with their kids and uh, kind of exploring uh, creative outlets. And so um, we're kind of looking at uh, making this podcast uh, kind of looking in that direction. Um, yeah, is is the coronavirus only a bad thing? Is there any any good in it? Any way to redeem um, the pain of feeling this isolation and yeah, this society wide pinch yeah. and uh, strangeness. But we had to, we did have to, of course, uh, cancel our packing party for issue eight where we have 25 people come and volunteer and hang out with us. Much sh- less than six feet apart. Yeah, rub shoulders and pack the magazine. Um, we love that time. It's such an awesome time, but we had to cancel it, of course. Um, yeah. And so it's been two weeks yeah. solid of uh, Mike and me um, and our families helped some, Grace helped some. We're trying to just do what we can uh, to wrap um, we spent two weeks wrapping up issue eight, getting it all ready, uh, boxed up, and also yeah, yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday, which would be Monday, um, the book "Another Work Is Possible" arrived, and uh, it was at a shipping depot, and we drove our rented truck up and picked it all up, brought it down here. And starting around one o'clock in the afternoon, we packaged every copy that's going out to uh, customers so far. Yeah, and crammed that onto the truck as well with all the magazines. Yeah. Um, so the way we do this every year is we rent a you know a U-Haul truck and uh, fill it up with magazines and bring it to our local post office. And there, uh, they arrange to have a special USPS truck meet us. And we offload all the tubs of magazines and put them in their their big um, metal cages and they roll them up onto the lift and put them in their truck and then that goes out to their central distribution hub. Um, And so this year we, uh, again, with with the blessing of our local postal service employees who didn't see this as being a problem at all. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Joel. You're the best. Um, Got it all together and it was our largest shipment ever yeah it was huge massive um so yeah we are there's a lot of wrapping yeah <laughs> for a very small number of people and yeah. we just uh, are so grateful to be able to get it out on time and the book is out the issue eight is out in the mail you should be seeing at any time showing up in your mailboxes um and what a what an ironic providential yeah. <laughs> arrangement that yeah. everything is uh people are home more thinking about uh, life and what's important, what's valuable. And, uh, you know, we hope that these two things, issue eight and another work is possible can offer some, some fruitful reflection, some things to think about. Yeah. 
So yeah, totally. Um, uh, in terms of other things canceled for us around here, um, we have decided uh, to cancel the summer workshop, which was scheduled for June. Um, basically, no one can set any concrete travel plans right now. Yeah. Uh, so it just seemed like a kind of a no-brainer that um, yeah. we didn't want to, you know, for people who had applied or for people who were considering it uh, to add that stress to their lives. Uh, also, just the way things are up in the air, we don't know uh, when this will be cleared up, when uh, things will be returning to uh, some uh, stage of normalcy. So we're saying the June workshop is canceled. Um, might be able to do something later in the year, but we'll just wait and see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a it's a strange time. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, a weird thing. It is. And I think we're just, uh, I hope we're all feeling the strain uh, of not having as much face-to-face time with people. Yeah. I hope that, you know, we're saying, man, we really miss our coworkers and we miss yeah. uh, our our church families and our friends and our whatever, um, our, our community. Um, I hope this really, you're feeling that acutely because I know we are for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's for us, what we want to talk about today is, you know, we've been talking a lot since this uh, virus uh, started um, in the U.S. at least. And just about that, this is, in one sense, you can feel kind of, somber about it uh, but I hope that it, it points us to a future full of hope and so we've been talking about a lot of different ways we think that might be the case and so uh, we wanted to talk about some of that stuff today yeah so uh, how are we going to make the most of this you know in this t- uh, day and age the keywords today are social dis- distancing self-quarantine um we could just passively wait this out sitting on our sofas, you know, absorbing everything thrown at us on our Facebook feed and what the cable news tells us. And, uh, or we could, uh, go a different direction. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, uh, I haven't heard many people that feel like they have a deeper sense of peace having gone through their Facebook feed. No, <laughs> never. Does that ever make you feel better walking yeah. away? Let's think about that for a um, minute. So, you know, I think like the whole, the toilet paper thing. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know all the factors. I don't pretend to know all the factors. But it's just um, living in fear causes us to act irrationally and to yeah. not think about um, about the bigger picture of things. So, you know, we, we just were thinking, is there some opportunity? How can we think about this time period as an opportunity for change and, mm. and future? Um, and we were just talking about, I think for me, you know, it's the thing I've been thinking about. If you heard our podcast about um, the talk that I did at Fine Woodworking Live, um, I was talking about Albert Borgman and his book, Technology and the Character of Contemporary Life. And Al- Albert Borgman... Uh, talks about he describes uh, modern society as operating within what he calls as a device paradigm that's a whole way of thinking that's all about devices and so technology is um is about creating devices that give us commodities Mm. um so an example would be a stereo yeah provides the is a device that provides the commodity of music Mm -hmm. or 
uh, a radiator provides the commodity of heat. And when we think about the world that way, that we make devices to give us stuff, um, it kind of the real problem is not having heat or having pre-recorded music, right. um, but the problem is that it flattens the world. Yeah. Um, and that, so that the you know when heat comes out of a radiator, you don't have the same experience as when you fell a tree and split it and start a fire to heat your house. Yeah. Um, that's convenient. It's safer, probably, in some senses. And uh, but the question that Borgman asks is, but at what cost? Because yeah. we can't say there are no costs to convenience in commodities and devices that provide them. So what Borgman shows us is we we don't want to say, you know, oh, we're going to get rid of all modern technology or all digital technology or all automation. That's not what he's arguing. Um, what he's saying is what's important to remember is we want to embrace the benefits of, of some of this stuff. It's, it's good stuff to have. A hot shower is a great thing. Oh, yes. Who doesn't like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but let's not be so short-sighted that we forget about the value of engaging with the world. Mm-hmm. So he talks about engagement and how important it is to go running and to feel your heart beating in your chest and your blood pumping and to feel tired and to feel the joy of feeling the wind and hearing the birds and engaging with the world. Your body, your mind, your heart, everything uh, is, is engaged. And so he also talks about uh, making food with friends. And of course, for us, my mind went to woodworking. Yeah. You know, when you are when you have sweat running down your face and your knuckle is bleeding a little bit because you yeah. skinned it on something and you're ripping a board. <laughs> yeah. Talk about engagement, you know, and it's yeah. just an opportunity for the, the reward of work, the joy, and the work itself to be united and not separated where... You work, you do the drudgery, and then you get the weekend party. Yeah. In in these kind of engaging activities, uh, what he calls focal practices, these things that bring the focus back into our lives, um, in these things, uh, this engagement brings all that back together. It yeah, brings like the work and pleasure work and pleasure hand hand. come together. Yeah. yeah, I I really like the the music example because if you think about it. Um, just a few generations ago, the only access we had to music was either we hear someone skilled producing it with a musical instrument or we're singing ourselves or learning an instrument ourselves. So um, music, you know, through um, recording and things like that, you can um, propagate a single recording of a song and that's great, right? We can all listen to some great orchestral piece or some, you know, great pop song or whatever, we all have access to that. But it turns that uh, skilled, uh, talented performance into a commodity, just something that you filter through your device. So like if you follow the the thread, um, you know, it goes from you need a live performance to hear music to, okay, you can now get a recording of it. So people, you know, these um, artists would put out albums, right? And they put it together an album to tell a story from one song to another. And nowadays, people just pick the songs they want and add it to their playlist. And so they are really completely consumers of that music mm-hmm. um, in a way that's complete, almost completely disconnected from the original, the, the skill involved in making it. Yeah. Um, so you walk down the street and people just have their earbuds or their headphones on 
and they go through their playlists and they're just isolated from those around them. They're not sharing the music in that experience with others. Um, It's just a very interesting thing, the way that the device, putting that performance into a device, uh, isolates everyone involved. Yeah. I mean, yeah, actually, it's interesting thinking about comparing a street performer. Mm. So you have this lady standing uh, in New York City on the street playing guitar and singing. And what happens? If she's skilled, 30 yeah. people gather around her and experience this together. Yeah. Now, what if those 30 people instead all had earbuds in? Yeah. They're all listening to maybe even uh, more perfectly performed music. Right. Walking past each other. Yeah. So the the question, of course, is uh, do we only – it's convenient. We can all have our own song. Right. And we're not dependent on this lady and her vocal cords that day. Yeah. Uh, so great. We can have the perfect music all tuned and curated to our own curiosities. And uh, is that better? Yeah. Well, not necessarily. Right. Um, so this idea of engagement really uh, brings that out, that it's not about uh, passivity. It's not about just consuming but it's about a life of engagement. Yeah. So um, one of uh, more noteworthy quotes from uh, Bill Copperthwaite that um, I, I really like, he makes this point. Uh, he says, I'm very troubled by the amount of vicarious living we do. The time we spend watching someone else play ball or have adventures. Right? Not many people are watching other people play ball right now, but maybe you're watching reruns from like last year's World Series or something. I don't know. Uh, But he says, the story goes that William Baden Powell got the idea for the Boy Scouts from seeing a crowd of people watching a soccer match. He suddenly realized that the crowd should have been playing rather than watching. As a people, we live vicariously much of the time. We watch someone else's drama, ball games, sex life, or adventure, and listen to someone else's music. Instead of vicarious ball games, how about a real game of split wood or plant garden? Or, this is my favorite one, catch a porcupine for supper. <laughs> um, so his, his idea there is that instead of being passive observers, um, why don't we just engage these practices ourselves? I mean, there's so much more fullness and fulfillment in, in actually doing them and learning them and in, um, in, in becoming skillful in these areas. Not to say that there's no place for watching a, a skilled performance, but what that should do is is inspire us yeah. um, in our own pursuits. Yeah, I um, I don't know if you know who Mark Boyle is, but he was the was the, the moneyless man or something like that. But um, Mark, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, in the UK, right? Yeah, Mark Boyle uh, wrote something one time, and it was a very vivid picture um, talking about physical intimacy sexual relationships in the most um you know intimate relationship you can possibly have and he he took that relationship and talked about um he he highlighted this in such a strong way he said we spend more time watching porn than we do making love yeah that's you know and i think that's a really vivid picture of showing if we become passive consumers think about what something like pornography does to relationships marital relationships uh and you know what that what the outworking of that is and so if you apply that same kind of thought process to other areas of life all that stuff starts unraveling um our our relationships with other people and our own uh, our own hearts start unraveling when we just passively consume that kind of 
stuff. Yeah, so um, we've talked, and again, I was saying we've heard from a lot of folks who, uh, uh, one person wrote and said, um, you know, it's amazing. Here I am, I'm working at home, which is what I've always wanted to do. I'm homeschooling my kids, which is what I've always wanted to do. He's like, I'm in the shop all the time. He's like, this is like the life I've always wanted. It's yeah. kind of been imposed on me. And I thought that is really a refreshing attitude. Yeah. Um, that is such a, a great way of thinking about it. I have it. seen so many people say, I've just started baking sourdough bread for the yeah, first time the in my first life. first time. Because I have this opportunity. Yeah. How awesome is that? <laughs> and uh, we've we've talked about like different skills that we want to pursue. Like there are these random things that, that Joshua and I have talked about where um, down this uh, this funny kind of rabbit trail of like, talking about flint napping and oh yeah <laughs> um all these other things that that we're saying you know these are skills that would be really interesting and amazing even from a an anthropological perspective to learn and to um to try and engage these raw materials in a way that our ancestors did just for a, a deeper understanding of who we are um so i would say um what are you thinking about uh working on what skills do you want yeah. to improve on like that is a, a very practical question that we could be asking ourselves right now um you know being a generalist in this age of specialization is really valuable there are lots of folks out there who can write apps or code uh, but can't unclog their toilet or right. change a flat tire you know these were basic life skills just a few years ago but more and more were reliant on other specialists uh, to take care of these things that we don't want to learn or haven't had the time to learn, really. Um, and this just creates a tendency to subdivide society yeah, into definitely. people who do one thing, people who do another thing. And um, so in a time like this, uh, when when we are you know, excessively isolated, we really start to feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, for one, you know, I really feel for people who are in towns and cities who are under... Uh, like um, curfews and things like that right now Uh, just the the sense of um, being isolated uh, would be really crippling really difficult to to cope with and to deal with yeah and you know we uh, we live rurally we live um, in a corner of the country in Maine Um, and so the fact that we're spread out helps for sure um, for us and so we don't have that um you know, the necessity to be so close to so many people. Um, And so, you know, obviously our uh, choice to engage with other people is, has always has to be very uh, conscious and deliberate. Um, But in times like this is actually beneficial to get some space, you know, and being each Mike, uh, his property and my property, we have many acres we can spread out. So we're very uh, grateful for that. Um, but I think that was kind of one of the things that drew me to rural living hmm. in the first place. Um, I'm I do not at all consider myself a prepper, <laughs> um, right. but uh, but probably the the preppers are laughing pretty hard right now because they probably feel pretty <laughs> sweet, uh, pretty They're well like, off. I got canned goods for six years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that I don't think that way necessarily at all. Um, but it does feel good to see the strength of diversification uh, hmm. spreading out rural living um that you know i i can keep getting milk for my goats and eggs for my chickens and we have 
a freezer full of uh, meat and we have uh, friends that have grown vegetables in abundance so that we when we run out we can get stuff from them too yeah um there is security and diversity and spreading out and um, diversity in in terms of the kinds of things that you're procuring for yourself or your community um so i'm feeling the i'm feeling the benefit of that i very much appreciate and i'm grateful for the opportunity to kind of have this rural setting yeah and we've we've heard from a, a few different people who have said you know we had been um talking about and thinking about maybe relocating to more rural place we're kind of getting tired of the city life and um so you know they're like reaching out and saying hey once this all calms down we're gonna get in touch and and talk to you all about it yeah i've heard that several times yeah and and i just you know to me uh living on the edge of the woods living in the woods um with for us where we live um we have like 14 acres but behind us it's thousands of acres of nothing i mean i say nothing it's actually everything you could want it's it's full of moose and deer and coyotes and woods and woods and woods and streams and um, it's amazing. And, uh, I find that really humbling because when, when you live, uh, like surrounded by buildings and parking lots and coffee shops, uh, you can really start to think that, that people really are the center of everything. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, but living, uh, on the edge of, you know, it's not virgin forest. It's been cut over a few times, but it's, it's a pretty wild area. It helps to remind remind me of how small we are um and also how life goes on you know we're not uh you know you look back into the woods and the otter doesn't care what's going on with us silly humans he's (laughs) he's out catching fish um so and we also have talked a lot about how smaller communities are are more they're they're more closely knit and um they can support one another in more palpable ways um, and that is that is really a valuable thing. It's valuable uh, just in everyday life. When you go out to the store, you see someone you know almost every time. Yeah, I, it's impossible <laughs> to go to the store and not recognize someone. Yeah. Oh, hey, how's yeah? How's your brother? You know. Yeah, and and in this um, again, you know, this time really brings clarity to the value of that for us all. Um, yeah, and I think that. The thing that keeps jumping out to me with um, the this isolation, this social distancing stuff, is that the value of face-to-face kind yeah. of interaction and how important that is. Um, uh, I just got a note from my friend Eric, and he said it's almost four weeks since he's had a face-to-face interaction with people. Oh my! Goodness. I just can't even believe that. Um, and so, you know, I've been thinking about um, they're kind of two sides to this i think one is i think what we're you know for what we're feeling one i think we can say how awesome is it that we have digital technology right that we can still work many of us not Mm -hmm. all of us but many of us can still work from home Mm -hmm. um and uh like uh, my church we've shut down our services like many other churches but we're having live stream sunday services um so we have the opportunity to do that we're doing, I have meetings at the church through Zoom. You know, what a cool thing to be yep. able to see people's faces and keep things going as, uh, keep the activity happening. So that there's a real blessing in that. Um, 
the flip side of it mm. is I think in the midst of all that, we're all feeling the pain that this isn't it, the real it's thing. It's just not the same thing. Yeah. It's not. Um, and so I think it's important to to not be short-sighted to, to see, wow, this is so great. Life can carry on and we don't even have to look at any other human being ever again. This is great. <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope <laughs> you aren't thinking unite. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm just an introvert, and so this is perfect. Yeah. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. We're not, you know, we're not designed to be isolated uh, people, and so I think I'm feeling that really keenly. The, yeah. Seeing the benefits. Wow, I'm so grateful to have work right now because of automation, and at the same time, I really miss these people, and I can't wait to see them again. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I, I've never been like a big hugger, but I think I'll become one you know after this because i'll just be like so happy to see you in person is that why every time i've hugged you you're like always pushing I, me away yeah well that's way closer than six feet <laughs> way closer oh yeah but uh yeah and so one of the things um you know we we heard recently there's been some kind of uh in in the u.s and in other countries um i think most countries are looking at passing some sort of um economic stimulus basically to set i don't know help citizens get through this time and struggle through um and we've looked at that here in this country um at what uh, apparently will be coming our way and we're, we're looking at like how to use that how to be creative with that yeah yeah i mean i so it, if a check is coming your way and for the reason of, you know, we're told, okay, use this money to support the economy. Right. Right? Yeah. Okay, so then what Mike and I have been talking about is, great. We're feeling, you know, as a small business, we're saying we really value small businesses, so we choose to support yeah. small businesses. Let's support the kind of economy we, we want to see. Yeah, so, so the question I would put to you all that we've been putting to ourselves is, who do you want to see come out the other side of this? Which coffee shop? Yeah. Which furniture maker? Which tool maker do you want to see in the other side of this? Um, and perhaps, as you can, if you have the means to use this economic stimulus or your other means to make sure and support those people in their work, um, I just can't think of a, a better way to do it. Um, yeah. Let's let's support the let's stimulate the economy that we want to see survive. Yeah. Um, our your your favorite spoon makers you followed on instagram you know reach totally. out and say hey i would love to uh buy something from you uh you know what do you have or can you make me something and uh you know like you said the local little tiny coffee roaster uh here in town mm -hmm. best coffee ever it's worth uh you know dedicating yourself to that rather than you know going to the Starbucks drive-thru, which may still be open or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just making decisions like that with the resources you're given to to make a small change. And there are so many places out there, so many um, artisans and, and craftspeople who could really use that support right now. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel it for uh, restaurants too. Oh man, you know, yeah. there. Um, it's one thing to be able to supply, you know, a tool or something because probably a lot of tool makers aren't feeling the pinch as much as restaurants are feeling because they yeah can't have people in yeah. to serve them food it's just curbside so um you know i 
actually, Mike and I, we just went to um, get sandwiches yesterday. We uh, went to go get lunch somewhere. And I have to tell you, it was a major hassle. Yeah. It was a major hassle. It took forever. We had to call in an order. And we had to wait outside and they couldn't hand us the food. They had to set it on a table. And I mean, it's just, it's a hassle. But I think that, you know, for those of you that are familiar with the um, the slow movement yeah. and things like that, this or like even the minimalist movement is kind of connected to this idea of intentional living, yeah. uh, making life choices intentionally. What kind of business do I want to see? What kind of uh, relationship do I want to have with a person? And then designing your life in such a way that facilitates that. So this particular place i want to see them survive yeah. and so i want to do everything i can to be hassled to get yeah. those sandwiches so that they're not they don't sink yeah i mean um, if if we think it's a hassle for us imagine how it is for them yeah um so the answer <clears throat> I, I would say the answer to all of this is not oh great i'll just put in an amazon order right cuz i would have you think about what is that going to do to all the people that we really do value on a day-to-day basis if we yeah. put all of our eggs in one basket there's yeah. only going to be one basket yeah <laughs> you know very true so yeah we're thinking about that you know who are the people that we really care about that are doing great work that who can we support and and see them through uh, the other side of this yeah so i'd encourage you to to think about that um and it's just it's been two weeks that we've been wrapping this issue um and my my newest book another work is possible just came as we said and it we just keep laughing to ourselves because it's it's, it's so ironic that this is the situation that in particular another work is possible just got sent out in the mail in the midst of this socially distanced shutdown thing because it's the book is is the whole book is about that idea of engaging with the world especially side by side uh, working with other people yep. and the value of that as opposed to digitally disconnected separated interactions this it, is actually exactly what the book is, is yeah uh, talks about a lot yeah because um, we've said you know if you consider what the logical outworkings are of more and more dig- digitalization and remote um, social uh, connections and things like that kind of the, the situation that we're in now is kind of what the natural progression of, of the use of that technology creates. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so the book talks about that at length, just using the, uh, the project here with the um, Carpenters Without Borders and the timber frame they built um, and talking about that whole experience of, of camaraderie, of working together, of sharing information, sharing knowledge, sharing tools, um, and and techniques and meals together and just mm-hmm. the the tremendous value of all of that um, that it's you know that is how society has always worked that's how you know from time immemorial you know that is the the most beneficial way for for human beings to relate yeah and so yeah it it was hilarious you know we um we found out the end of last week that. The, the book was shipping from the printer. We weren't really sure when. We knew it maybe April or something. Um, so we found that out. And then we found out that it was due to arrive 
like the day we were loading all the magazines onto the the uh, the U-Haul truck. So he said, okay, um, I wonder if we can get all those packaged up in time for the Tuesday morning drop-off at the post office. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've, we've just been kind of shaking our heads in amazement at the timing of this and the words of the book and how reflective everything is um, of the whole situation. So. Yeah, so I, I'm really, uh, I wanna hear readers' uh, comments and feedback. Um, the book, I really um, put myself out there. <laughs> mm. I, I shared uh, many thoughts that I've had about technology and society and uh, what it means to um, to live a life of engagement. Um, and I've said a bunch of things in the book that I've not said elsewhere um, publicly. And so I I want your feedback. Um, I expect that it will. I'll get mixed responses. Some people will just say, this is exactly what my thought is, totally. Some people will be confused or surprised. Probably some people will be offended. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of, of doing this kind of, um, this writing about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean right. to work with your hands? What is the value of community? Why would you want to make food from scratch? Mm. That kind of thing, um, you know, I think is is worth talking about. It's worth thinking about and not ignoring. Um, so I hope that the book, uh, when you get it in your mailbox, I hope that the book is a source of um, inspiration for, first, that, you know, when you're locked up in your New York City apartment yeah. and you're desperate because it's been we weeks. for you. Yeah, that this book is perhaps a source of inspiration to you to, to say, man, I really wish I had busted knuckles right now with an ax in my hand. Wouldn't yeah. that be so great? Yeah. Um, I hope that it's inspiration. Uh, and so that when this whole thing passes, this virus passes, that we will all be so desperate to get outside and work with our bodies, yeah. work with our hands and make things. I, I hope that provokes that in us. Um, and then the other thing is just thinking about... Um, I do say things in the book that just try to, you know, my emphasis in the book is thinking about the the, the kind of work that is possible as a holistic work. Mm. It's a work that is um, thinking about how the work of my hands relates to the work of my head mm. and to the work of my heart and the work of my family and my community. And so how does, what does a holistic picture on work look like? Uh, i.e. not just a utilitarian view of work that just mm. says whatever's cheapest, fastest, as long as the outcome is uh, you know, good, right. I don't care how it's done, as long as it's done fast and cheap. Yep. What if there's another way of thinking about work that values the work for its intrinsic value? And so um, I hope that the book kind of spurs people to think about that, to think about um, what if another work is possible in my life? Uh, to some extent, what would that look like? What kind of work could I do? Um, and by work, I don't just mean a, a job you get paid for. I mean things you do, yeah, things you work at. Um, so people carve spoons for fun, um, mm -hmm. or, or things like that. Um, you know, what kind of work is, is possible for me in my life uh, after this virus? Yeah, or even in the midst of the virus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we all. Even in some some of us in very limited ways, but there's a, a chance and an opportunity right now, wherever you are, to um, to make a start making mindful differences, start making plans. You know, um, yeah. 
and uh, you know if you need to like rip out a wall to get to some studs so that you can make something out of wood you know do it you know who cares if you don't get your deposit back uh, but you know I, we don't endorse that, <laughs> that policy yeah okay but you know the idea is uh, you can uh, get started right now and think along those those lines and and be encouraged in this time where it's it's really easy to be discouraged um, that uh, there's a bright future for this kind of stuff. Yeah, it actually makes me think about. You probably should not rip studs out of your wall. Um, That's pretty lousy. But wood, instead, actually. I mean, this. There are, I'm sure there are other opportunities. But here's one example. Here's one idea. Um, our friend Emmett mm. sells spoon blanks, and mm-hmm. I think is it Dawson that's also doing it. I think Michigan so, yeah. Sloyd. Yeah. So, so there are two people that are selling spoon blanks, split, ready to go. Yeah. You can also so you can have that shipped to you. Yeah. You can also get an axe shipped to you and a knife split uh, shipped to you. Yeah. And you can get on spoonclub.uk yeah. or whatever. Take some classes. Barn the Spoons online school. Yeah. And if you got nothing else to do uh, because you're not thrown into homeschooling your kids all of a sudden right. or whatever, um, why don't you try that? That would be really uh, an inspiring, fun, new exploration, for, especially for those who have never tried um, and if you do have kids at home, surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. and you say, wow, what in the world do I do? What is homeschooling? Yeah. Dive into that. Yeah. Uh, take your kids into the workshop and show them how to use things. Uh, be in- engaged with your kids in their work, their academic work as well. Um, but let's, let's make the most of this time, I guess is what's in my mind. This is a, not only does it limit us, but it gives us so many new opportunities that many of us just don't have in our normal life. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, any time that I have seen a kid introduced to a workbench with some lumber and some tools, it is there, you know, it's the happiest place they could be. Yeah, totally. Um, so and jump adults. on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so jump on that. Yeah. Use, the, use that time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we hope that uh, you are finding inspiration that uh, any technology that you're taking in, the, the amount of social media you're absorbing is helpful and inspirational and yeah. not depressing. Cut it off at that point. Cut it off. Yeah. If it's stumbling you, if it's causing you to uh, panic, cut it off. It's yeah. not good for you. Um, so surround yourselves with uh, positive uh, ways of thinking about the world and, and look for new opportunities and, and engage uh, your hands. So thank you for listening to us ramble here yeah. at the Mortis and Tenon podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, you can subscribe at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else uh, you, you get your podcasts. Um, if you have any comments or questions, you can leave them below. You can email us. Um, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you're up to. How are you making the most of uh, this uh, socially distanced, engaged time? Yeah. Thank you. Take care.